0: Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly where we have another duet podcast as I, Philippa B, am joined by Jeremy Smith. Hi Jess. Hello. Right, so France are in the quarterfinals after an eventful game against Argentina. Um, They won 4-3. It was all kinds of emotional over the shop. Your initial
1: thoughts. Um, I think, I mean, first of all, I think, I don't think too many people would argue that 4-3 is a pretty flattering score for Argentina. Mm -hmm. I think more or less entirely from start to finish, France are the better team. I think they they probably uh, let Argentina off the hook for sort of the last 10 minutes of the first half or so uh, were sort of quickly, albeit freakily, punished by that and then sort of got their heads together again and and really I think outplayed Argentina. Um, I mean, I, despite my pessimism last week, Argentina, the current Argentina team were and are a very, very good match for France. Um, you know, a, a very talented attack, but an attack that is often sort of left stranded because of a, a pretty average midfield and a very slow and ponderous uh, defence. And so, yet, and yet they're, they're a team that are happy to have the ball and happy to try to attack. So that kind of played exactly into France's hands because every time they lost possession, um, I mean, basically, as, as Deschamps was heard on a microphone saying, not shouting to Paul Pogba, Paul d'Ectel le ball dans la Kylian, <laughs> which was pretty much, yeah. Give, give the ball to Kylian Mbappe and let him run absolute riot, which which he did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all round, I think a very good performance. It's weird to say, considering they conceded three goals, but I actually mm. thought the defence played well. Um, there was obviously more of a link between defence and attack, a hell of a lot of which was, well, it was thanks partly to Conte's dynamism, Matuidi's as well, but Pogba really had a, an excellent game, I thought. Mm. And then the attack, Giroud, I don't think was as bad as the 5 out of 10 that he got in Leke, Griezmann was okay. Um, unlucky not to score with a free kick, got the penalty, and Mbappe was just a standout player by quite a long way. Yeah. <laughs> um, despite Pavard's goal, I think Mbappe was yeah clearly man of the match.
0: Yeah, I think um, looking at the the kind of se- the selections, um, having Matuidi on that kind of left wing ish role, and it very much ish because he was he wasn't really playing as a winger; he was more in midfield. So they were a little bit unbalanced. But when the kind of point of that level of unbalance is is Killeen and Mbappe running at speed against deeply confused um, defenders, it, it kind of works out okay. I mean, something we saw from the Argentina selection, as you said about, you know, their attack and the problem with midfield is the way they set up with Messi kind of nominally up front. I saw that team list and and kind of tweeted out, does this, is this as weird as I think it is? And Rupert Fryer, South American football expert came back saying, strikerless formations are so 2010. And even then this one would be bad. And, it, I mean, you saw them in the second half kind of change it around, bring dropping Messi back, bringing Kun on for, um Kun Aguero on for Perez to kind of get back to having some kind of focal point. It felt like that was what they were lacking. Um, but what you say about c- kind of conceding three goals, it does kind of flatter them, but that might be something we need to be a little bit worried about. Um, on the XG front, Um we had uh taken off had them at um, 0.64 mike Cayley had them at one and they scored three and look at where they scored the goals 41 minutes just before half time 47 minutes just after half time 90 plus 3 just at the end of the match it's like guys you're going to have to stay focused to make sure that doesn't happen um again as it were because you know, remember those first two goals that, that Argentina scored put them ahead. It wasn't like France were coasting; they were, you know, they were hit um, by those two goals, and it took that kind of mad ten minutes in the second half um, with the goals from Pavard and the the brace from Mbappe to come on top. I think it it wasn't a completely um, uh, uh, com- not convincing. Uh, it wasn't, you know all joy and, and happiness and jam and cake and everything there's still stuff that they need to keep an eye on
1: it, but wasn't, it was but a very
0: positive uh positive performance I
1: think, I, I think um first of all it's not such a bad thing um you know it shows this team's got character it shows they can come back from being mm-hmm. behind which they haven't been yet hadn't been yet this tournament um i'm not to, I mean, con, i'm concerned about the concentration, less so about when exactly the goals took place i mean the mm. first one, yes uh kante maybe should have sort of um you know uh sort of bore down a bit earlier on on di Maria, but it was a bit of a free goal. The second mm. goal actually Pava i think saved himself a hell of a lot of criticism yeah. um, <laughs> uh by scoring that that equalizer because he was. Probably at fault on two different occasions for the second I'm goal. I'm
0: still not sure exactly how much Mikado knew about that uh, when it happened. <laughs> no, no, um, I
1: mean Mercado had an extremely lucky match because, as well as scoring that goal, how he left the pitch without a well, a, a booking, let alone a sending off. Um, it's absolutely beyond me and i think as i tweeted mascherano probably could have been sent off for two yellow cards three or four times over so certainly i don't think the referee did did france any favors either um so yeah they're, i mean obviously then they're, they're not the finished article and there's things that they need to to kind of um improve on as the tournament goes on but you know certainly compared to what we would seen in the group stages it's a huge yeah. massive leap forward and uh the hope is that they can sort of continue on that upward trend
0: yeah i mean they, they looked very engaged as you say Pogba had a really good match Mbappe was just brilliant um what was also interesting was um seeing the subs um so we got uh Tolisso was brought on um for Tweedy, I think um Fekia came on um, in place of Griezmann to kind of, uh, you know, put the hammer down a bit. And, um, so we've seen now, and also, uh, Florian Tovan got, you know, like five minutes at the end, which I don't think is token. I think it's like, um, you know, he's gone there. He deserves to play a bit. It wasn't a long stint, but got him on the pitch as well, which was, um, uh, which was an interesting, interesting move. So, um, Looking at the team that we expect to play against Uruguay, it's going to be, a, I think, a bit more of the kind of traditional 4-3-3 look. Um, the team that people seem to be looking at will have a front three of Griezmann, uh, Giroud and Mbappe with Pogba, Kante, maybe Tolisso or maybe somebody else in the midfield three and, and the... Um, the back four that we saw against um Argentina do you think that's the right approach who do you think will be or should be the um the kind of the starters there
1: um I think I mean it's 10 I think 10 places are set in stone now for Mm. for this match anyway the only question mark is who replaces Matuidi who's yeah. he's banned after yeah getting two yellow cards and you know the candidates are Tolisso, Lamar and Fekir has sort of emerged as a candidate in the last couple of days um I think I doubt it would be, I think if it is Lamar it would be a four-two-three-one, but I don't mm-hmm. think it will be uh I mean that's with the proviso that I still think a lot of this formation stuff is a complete waste of time Yeah, um, and just basically where people stand for the kickoff but um I, I don't think Lamar did quite enough against Denmark which I think is a no. pity I think Deschamps clearly likes him and has given him enough chances I mean you could argue that with the season he had he's very lucky even to be in the squad um, but yeah I, I don't think he did quite enough I I think his work rate couldn't be faulted and that could be important against Uruguay but um he, in terms of sort of attacking intent there wasn't enough so i think toleso starts at the fa- as a fa- as the favorite in which case it would be a 433 know, so the only issue with that is <clears throat> firstly that he didn't have the best game against australia but i think you know that it's probably reasonable to say that's you know nerves that come with first match first match of the world cup his first match in a world cup um i'd hope that he'd be a bit more settled this time he's had one or two um, substitute appearances since um, the only possible issue with that is whether do you replace him like for like with Matuidi on the left mm. or do you swap him with Pogba which might be a bit disruptive considering the last couple of games but also arguably works better because Tadiso's position probably is better on the right and Pogba probably is better on the left. Mm. Um, And it
0: does then give you the kind of situation that if they do a 4-3-3 and kind of have those three whimpering around in in midfield, with Griezmann's kind of propensity to to cut inside, because he's used to being a second striker um, most of the season, does that leave us with another kind of gap, a bit like we saw against Argentina at kind of the left wing front? which would then encourage Lucas Hernandez to, to kind of bomb forward a bit when maybe being a bit more conservative might be useful.
1: I, I, think, I think Uruguay are going to play very differently. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm extremely worried about this match because I think just as <laughs> Argentina are a good matchup for France. I think Uruguay are possibly the worst matchup possible for France. Um, both in terms of style of play and history. And by the way, if there's any neutrals thinking of watching, in the last five matches between the two teams, there's been one goal. So (laughs) uh, possibly you might uh, want to save your viewing for Brazil-Belgium later on if you can only watch one match. I know I'm not supposed to be saying that. But um, I think I was really... I mean, I've been impressed every time with him, but I was very impressed with Hernandez that... um, you know, I assume he was following instructions, but compared to the other matches where he had been bombing forwards a lot, I thought this one he was a lot more controlled and sort of picked and chose when to when to to join the attack. And, you know, certainly for a lot of the first half I thought he stayed back. Um obviously when they were behind it was it was his cross, his run and cross that, that Led to Pavar's goal, his, his cross mm. also led to, to Mbappe's first. So, again, really impressed with him. I think in this match, Uruguay will let France have more of the running. Mm. So, you know, I hope that there is more of a link between attack and uh, between defence and attack, but I think it's it's a link that's needed going forward rather than back. Whereas against Argentina, I think it was more important just to stay, stay solid at the back. Mm. Um, I think if not, Tolisso. I think Tolisso is good at breaking lines with passes. He's not maybe as defensively minded as Matuidi, but you know he can put in a tackle as well. So I think he could settle well into that. I think the longer it goes on, and you know maybe there's there's it's nil-nil or one goal in it. If he doesn't start, I think it's it's likely that Fekir will come on at some point to to add a bit of guile. I think probably you know with Giroud there, there might at least to start with, still be an emphasis on trying to get some crosses in, but firstly, he's against um, Godin and Jimenez, who are very good central defenders, and secondly, France, I think, are the worst team in the tournament so far in terms of crossing. Mm. So, you know, I feel like Giroud is already on a hiding to nothing, Yeah. Um, but it might be that with a tight defence like that, having someone like Fakir who can actually dribble past a couple of players, find a, mm. a a through ball or a gap where no one else can find one that might be the difference at the end of the day
0: mm. i mean looking at, at uruguay obviously the the goal they won uh, 2-1 against portugal in uh, the round of 16 a brace for edison cavani uh, pepe getting the goal for portugal which was the first goal they conceded in the tournament and I think possibly the first goal you've conceded this year, uh, given all the the friendlies. Um, And looking at kind of the the XG against them, I I hope my maths is correct on this, but Elf Tegenalf had them at 1.6 conceded over the four matches, and Mike Haley had them at two. It's not just that they don't concede, they don't allow decent chances. And you can kind of see that, frustrating france a bit you've mentioned the centre-back pairing we've also got to look at them i could
1: i could mention a certain Mm. team that had two shots on target in 120 minutes one of which was a penalty and apparently they're the best team in the world now so yeah
0: (laughs) Cheers, calm (laughs) back to uruguay (laughs) um and their um but their midfielders it's not just um you know uh Good and Jimenez, who are obviously excellent, but you look at the the kind of the, the holding, the midfield, the holding pair they've got in front of them. Uh, Rodrigo Bentancur and Matias Ficino played, I think, in all of the matches. And Lucas Torreira, uh, Arsenal target, I'm hearing, yeah. um, was um, kind of uh, in front of the... the the central defence pairing against Russia and Portugal, Uh, Russia, they absolutely killed him. I mean, 0.1 XG is, is, is terrible. Um, And so the, the Portugal game, obviously it was a Cavani brace and Cavani is a doubt. Apparently he's back training, but was training separately from the team. Um, Firstly, the impact of him not being there on France's chances. Secondly, do we think that if he isn't there, they're going to be even more obdurate and defensive um, without their kind of talismanic striker? I mean, we know Suarez obviously can do the business when necessary and and just shithousery, etc. But if Christian Stuani is brought in instead of Cavani, I it feels like if Cavani isn't there, Uruguay are going to attack much less tactically, if you see what I mean. Does that worry you um, at all?
1: I I think it could go either. I think they probably will defend a little more, but at the same time, they've got one fewer defenders, because as as we know from watching him for PSG, Cavani is, you know, um, his work rate is unbelievable and he's, he's always there helping in defence as well so uh, I suppose you can look at it either way but I'm not expecting Uruguay to be interested in doing too much attacking I'm not saying they'll play for penalties I don't think they'll do that at all but um, certainly I think they're going to be very happy for France to, to l- let France try to make the running particularly because France have not been very good at that the last well the last couple of years really um and then hope to hit them on the break or you know a piece of magic from from someone like suarez which they they're more capable they more which he and some of the other players are more than capable of doing so again I'm uh, you know as a neutral I'm not 100% sure I'd bother watching <laughs> yeah
0: <sighs> yeah this is, I think it's this is going to be very tense i mean the argentina game was kind of chaos and nail biting and but that was because stuff was happening all the time this one i think might be more tense because there's long periods of caginess and and stuff and therefore it might be definitely uh want to get the wine and the biscuits out for Um, just
1: one quick mention that the referees the referee and linesman or whatever they're called now referees assistants um are all argentinian which i immediately thought was a bad thing for france um who has spent time in uruguay says that the uruguayans are also not very happy about it (laughs) so possibly that will even out
0: so this could just end up with like nine people being sent off and and everybody being extremely cross about everything
1: well I, i was kind of thinking the opposite i was um my issue, I mean, a couple of people misinterpreted what I said and thought that I was suggesting that because they're neighbours and or because France knocked out Argentina, um, the referees to be biased. I didn't mean that at all. What I meant was that, you know, the whole sort of grinter thing and the sort of um, uh, dark arts, for want of a better word, which Argentina exercised a hell of a lot by sort of trying to decapitate Mbappe every time he got the ball and Mascherano and players like that surrounding the ref all the time and constantly getting away with hundreds of more than niggly fouls. I worry that a referee who's very used to seeing that week in, week out um, may let Uruguay get away with that kind of thing. Not get away with it, but for them that's, that's the norm, that's part of football, whereas possibly a European referee may be a little bit stricter on it. But, yeah, as Bebeto said, just because he's Argentinian, it doesn't mean he's going to be particularly nice to the Uruguayans either. So.
0: <laughs> just a random question. Um, the member of the France squad that you'd like to have on your side in a fight, then? Who would you like backing you up if there was a, a rumble? Jez?
1: Um, not Boris. <laughs>
0: No, to be fair, he'd be very diplomatic and maybe talk everybody down. Oh, that's
1: true. <laughs> um, I think probably either Pogba, as long as he's in the mood, mm. or Rami.
0: Yeah, that's a good shout. Actually, I was thinking Varane because again, he'd be quite kind of um, uh, diplomatic and talk people down. But if they if they kept being dicks then he looks like he could he could do a number but Rami is a good a good shout I think there. I also think Tovan Hanan- I, th- I think Tovan will be able to get you know some kind of sly digs in he's got the word rabbit punch written all over him
1: I think uh, so Hanan- Hernandez is my rabbit punch man yeah no, fair <laughs>
0: really. uh, anyway um just briefly going back to uh to the argentina game because obviously there were four goals uh, which is brilliant because that was more than they've been in the group stage so i'm up to uh seven in my uh, goal donation i'll be making to football versus homophobia um which is um something that the people have set up if you're uh, kind of a bit a bit antsy about uh it being in russia and the situation in russia about um gay rights and um and that kind of thing that you can uh pick a team and however many goals they score you make a donation to a charity of your choice to kind of pay it forward a bit so that's seven goals uh, that i'll be donating for to football for homophobia versus homophobia, and that's something that uh, obviously we hope there were more goals from France, but possibly not that many against Uruguay, but the goals they did score against Argentina, it seems a bit, possibly a bit facile to say which was your favourite, given that we may have seen one of the goals of the tournament in there, but which was your favourite, Jess?
1: Uh, I, I, the penalty, no. Um. <laughs> I, you can't look past Pavars. I really, I mean, not just the shot, not just the fact that it came from a fullback, not just the fact that I was going to say a fullback that none of the pundits had heard of. But if you listen to the post-match commentary, it seems that most of them hadn't heard of Mbappe before the match either. So, so no comment there. But it it wasn't just the the shot. It was. Matuidi's superb pass, Hernandez bombing forward and getting the cross in right on the byline as well. So I thought it wasn't even just a fantastic finish, mm. it was a great move. But I the thought... The
0: finish, as I said, the curls on that. I mean,
1: yeah.
0: oof, you saw it from behind. And, and You're not
1: just talking about Pabal's head.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the two, Jez, it's a joke, that's how it works. But yeah, it was, it was an absolutely wonderful finish. His debut goal, and I'm I don't even know how many he scored in club football. It's not. It's not many. Uh, it was an absolutely wonderful moment. He was interviewed after after the match and on French TV. Just kind of looked slightly startled that he'd managed to do that and said, "Yeah, this is something I'm going to remember forever," <laughs> uh, which seems completely valid.
1: Um, well, I, th- I think both Mbappe's goals deserve the mention. Yeah. The first one. Um, the shot itself I think the keeper should have saved so it takes something away from it. They, they were five, the,
0: France were five on three in the box as that ball came in from Lucas. Um and it, then it was, it was yeah, more, it was a bit of a scramble and everything. But I mean France. Well, that's the thing, overloaded I don't, I don't, them to I such don't think a it degree. was
1: but I don't think it was a scramble at all, because I think that Mbappe's speed of footwork and awareness mm. made it not a scramble. I mean, his the way he took it away from that sort of melee to create space for himself, leave a defender for dead, I thought was absolutely brilliant. And, yeah. you know, possibly of all the things that he did, you know, everyone was talking about his speed and sort of petrifying the defence and, you know, Rojo are playing to some players like that by just speeding past them it was to, to do him a bit of a disservice and I think that the skill he showed for that goal was, was absolutely fantastic mm. he And definitely, then the last He definitely
0: he outplayed them rather than just outran them Yeah, definitely, definitely.
1: and then the last goal I thought was a, a fantastic team move but obviously no one's going to give that one any credit because it would mm. mean maybe having to compliment Giroud for a nice yeah. through ball
0: Lovely through ball. I mean, what, what was kind of interesting was they took Rojo off at, at half-time because he was seriously struggling. I don't know if he was injured, but it looked like that was a tactical, oh, Jesus Christ, replace him now. And they brought on Fazio. And I had a couple of people on Twitter saying to me, oh, God, this is not going to end well. And even before uh, you know the, the first France goal in the, in the second half, it was a massive kind of defensive screw-up from him. And um, he, I think, was also the guy that knocked over, um, kind of getting towards full-time. Argentina um, appealed for a penalty, but on the replay it turned out it was Fazio who'd knocked whoever knocked over. Kind of didn't have a brilliant time at the, in the centre-back department on, nice. on either front.
1: Certainly the, the Spurs fans on my timeline... We're all very much. Oh yeah, that's really gonna sort out Argentina's slowness and mm. defence problems. Yeah. Um, well, talking I mean, of penalties, by mm. the way, I think France are, definitely should have had one, possibly two, if Griezmann had been a little bit less honest. Um, not less honest, but you know, he he stayed up when he, a hell of a lot of strikers would have been, would have gone down and possibly France could have had a couple of penalties as well. So the ref definitely didn't help them in that sense.
0: Mm. I mean, um, going just back to Giroud as well, after that through ball for the second Mbappe goal, a couple of minutes later, um, he hit the side netting, well, kind of completely unmarked. So I think he was busy and getting himself about a bit as well. And I do hope that he stars against, starts against um, Uruguay because while he may not have converted yet, he's always going to be a distraction. And the fact is that he is not the big lump up front who stays exactly where he's put. He does move around and he does create space and he does do knockdowns through balls, things like that. If they can move one of those Eurogrine centre-backs out, You know, that gives somebody a chance to zip through and do something. So I I really hope it's that um, setup that that they take into tomorrow's game.
1: It's bizarre because I I genuinely thought watching the game, you know, I'm obviously uh, an avalgiru fan, but it genuinely felt to me that he was winning everything in the air. And then I Mm. read that he'd won one of nine aerial. Jules, which was very strange to me, but that being even sort of notwithstanding that, he ran more than than both Griezmann and Mbappe. The stats show he he ran, I think, 9.1k, one of the others, nine, one of the others, eight points, something. So, you know, it just shows his work rate and his pressing. And as you said, you know, he's he's not a lump, he is intelligent. And, you know, even if he's not making chances for himself, even if he's losing headers in the air, but sort of occupying a couple of defenders, that creates space for other people. Mm. And I think the pressing probably will be important tomorrow because, you know, that might be the only way to get through that defence, sort of unsettle them, catch them slightly off balance. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I, I really think he's an important part of the team, not mm-hmm. just for um, what he gives as that sort of focal point. Yeah. And
0: I mean, another thing was kind of about half an hour into the game, um, he kind of, he did one of his lovely cushion knockdown headers, um, but there wasn't anybody there. And you could see Deschamps on the sideline yelling at Mbappe, stay closer to Giroud so you can take advantage of that kind of thing yeah. and so the the interplay between what we expect that front f- three will be is is going to be key
1: there is still, i mean there, there clearly is some kind of not an issue between them um but it's it's bizarre that there have been so few passes between mm. Giroud and Griezmann um and hopefully that's something that, that will sort of rectify itself, hopefully over the next three matches. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I just, I find it interesting. I mean, there was one in the first half where Griezmann put in a through ball and Giroud had, had sort of, there'd been a misunderstanding between them. Giroud ran one way and the ball went the other way. It's interesting that when a pass between them goes astray, it's always, you know, according to too many pundits or, tweets tweeters or whatever it's always Jury's fault it never could possibly be uh, Griezmann's fault Um, but you know I guess he's used to this kind of constant criticism now Anyway. so
0: So this brings us to the key thing which is our predictions now as we established last week both of us are well you're kind of pessimistic I'm just nervous Uh, we really needed kind of rich Rich's hat of positivity this (laughs) evening I think but he's not here so I'm still nervous are you still pessimistic? How are you feeling? What's the prediction?
1: Um, I'm still pessimistic like I said I worry because as pessimistic as I was last week Argentina do match up well to France Uruguay don't I think either 1-0 to Uruguay or it will go to dreaded penalties, uh, in which case uh, Deschamps will bring Ariola on on 118 minutes and he'll be the hero. <laughs> oh,
0: before Buffon turns up at the parc de Um <laughs> I also don't see a lot of goals in this one. Um, I'm hoping that France can do it 1-0. But I think it's going to be awkward, an awkward yeah. watch. Um, extra time is a definite possibility. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a, a tough one. But um, obviously, we're hoping that, that France have enough to get through. Maybe, you never know. Maybe they will um, you know flap their wings and fly and break through that defence at, at will.
1: i do i do think that whoever loses both ties tomorrow as unpopular an opinion it might be with deluded english fans and or reasonable croatian fans i think all four teams on this side of the draw are better than all four teams on the other side of the draw and i know it's just the luck of the draw but to me it's absolutely ridiculous yeah i
0: think you know the Croatian fans I'd probably have more uh, sympathy with them than others they're, but, yeah. Yeah, they're level definitely um, yeah. so we will see the harder side of the draw will be sorted out tomorrow and we hope France get through it it may not be the most exciting game in the world but there should be a lot of tension there may be a couple of cards just thinking you know, who for France might get themselves sent off as well when uh, they start getting frustrated and, and start that, kicking people um, mm. that's
1: not the priority but there are two or three players on cards and you can see certainly for example Pava just because of his position and Giroud just because of his character possibly getting themselves banned for an next match should there be one so that mm. is something I'm nervous about as well oh
0: God, I don't need more permutations to think about anyway <laughs> Right, but we are we are thinking positive thoughts. We are we are wearing Rich's hat of positivity. Uh, I'm very
1: superstitious. I am going to stick with my negative thoughts because it worked last week.
0: Okay, good. <laughs> right, so we're doing this kind of karmic betting thing at the moment. Um, I I I do this when I actually bet karmic hedge. Um, but yeah, we're basically we're we're all um, we're all just a bundle of nerves over here. So. We hope, we hope that when we come back on Monday or Tuesday um, to do the pod rounding up the quarterfinal, that it is a positive and happy pod. Otherwise, well, we're just going to see how it pans out. Um, So uh, if you have any questions, do send them in on Twitter or under the article on this. Cross your fingers. Quoi les doigts? Allez les bleus. And we will speak to you very soon.